Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So who's going to win, the bullies or the nerds? No, seriously. So much of Trump's campaign, his candidacy, his candidacy back in 2016, the behavior of his agencies, particularly his police agencies, those associated with the Department of Justice and ICE, you know, here in Portland and other cities around America, it all comes down to behaving like a bully. And this is one of the most difficult things, I think, for most human beings throughout their lives is how do you respond to a bully? How do you respond to a bully when you're a kid and the bully has the power to overwhelm you? How do you respond to a bully in the workplace, particularly when the bully is your boss? How do you respond to a political bully? This is just breathtaking. And the bullies are are basically saying, It's our way or the highway. Don't listen to those damn scientists. We're going to open the schools. We're going to do whatever we want. We're going to, you know, et cetera. For example, in Idaho, the Idaho legislature is controlled by Republicans, both the House and Senate. Republican Stephen Thane of Emmett, Idaho. This was reported on Boise State Public Radio, by the way. says basically that public health official scientists are elitists because, you know, they've got college degrees and they study science and we shouldn't listen to elitists. Here's literally exactly what he said. These are his words. Quote, this is Stephen Thane, a member of the Idaho State Senate, Republican. Quote, we're letting a few fearful people control the lives of those who are not fearful. Listening to experts to set policy is an elitist approach. And I'm very fearful of an elitist approach. I'm also fearful that it leads to totalitarianism, especially when you say, well, we're doing it for the public good. Think about how that turns reality inside out, turns it on its head. It literally is flipping the obligations of government upside down. The role of government, as clearly laid out in the preamble to the Constitution, if no place else, is to defend and support and promote the public good, the public welfare. 
It's the whole point. It's why we have government. This is the preamble. It's all one sentence. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. We want the public good to be defended. That's why we elect people. That's why we have a government. And here we have, let me just read this one more time. This is how Republicans are thinking all around the country. This just happens to be Stephen Thane, a Republican from Emmett, the state senator in Idaho. He says, we're letting a few fearful people control the lives of those of us who are not fearful. Listening to experts to set policy is an elitist approach. And I'm very fearful of an elitist approach. I'm also fearful that it leads to totalitarianism, especially when you say, well, we're doing it for the public good. So for the public good, what are we supposed to do? Nothing. I know that that's, you know, how the Koch brothers traditionally thought. That's what David Koch ran on in 1980 when he ran for vice president of the United States on the libertarian ticket. Privatized Medicare, privatized Social Security, and Medicaid, and all public schooling in the United States, and all regulation of polluting companies in the United States, and all taxation of billionaires in the United States. Those were literally his campaign positions. You want to see the whole thing? Just Google David Koch and Bernie Sanders. Bernie's got the whole thing on his, on his website. has had it there for years. Easy to find. So is that what you want? The federal government does not protect the people? Or do you want what Donald Trump is trying to create, a federal government that is actively endangering the people? Five million Americans now infected. And people say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a young guy. I don't have to worry about that. Well, here we've got a guy, Spencer Rollison of Canaveral Groves, Florida. He's not black. He's not Hispanic. And he's not obese. He doesn't have pre-existing conditions. He's a healthy 21-year-old white guy. And he tested positive for the coronavirus in May. The story's over by Travis Geddes over at Raw Story. 21-year-old Florida man experiences organ failure after recovering from mild COVID case. He says, I had a little bit of a cough, a slight fever of 99.4, I think, for the first couple of days. And then after that, I lost smell for about two and a half weeks. And that was my only symptom for the entire two weeks. On May 21st, I got a negative test result finally. So he goes back to work. He says, I, you know, I feel fine. I tested negative. I work outside. I was wearing a jacket. It was 96 degrees outside. He, he you know, was working in Florida. And I was still cold. I was sick again. On June 11th is when I started feeling it all again. My fever ended up going to 103.4 for like two days. He passed out during a doctor's appointment. They took him to the hospital and his heart and multiple other organs had failed. He says, something from coronavirus weakened my immune system, which caused me to have all these other symptoms and end up with sepsis and all that. He said, I wasn't on a ventilator. I think it's called BiPAP. It's a mask that they put on your face and it gets strapped on and it basically does the breathing for you. He said, I shouldn't get my heart rate up right now because it can lead to a heart attack, to cardiac arrest. He said, I thought coronavirus wasn't that big a deal. That's the reason I posted on Facebook to my friends and family. 
take this seriously. I'm 21 years old. I have a great health record, no issues, and it almost took my life. There's no reason to take this lightly. I can urge people, and I can't urge people enough to take it seriously. Meanwhile, over at uh, the Palm Beach Post, the headline, an article by Andrew Mara reads, health directors told to keep quiet as Florida leaders press to reopen classrooms. Now, typically you would think during a pandemic, the decision to open public schools would not be up to the public schools. It would be up to the public health officials. That whole idea of promoting the general welfare that I just read you out of the preamble to the Constitution. Well, here it is. This is the article from the Palm Beach Post from the paper yesterday. Following a directive from the Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor of Florida, from DeSantis's administration, county health directors across Florida refused to give school boards advice on whether to reopen schools in a worsening pandemic. This is according to a Gannett USA Today network review. For frustrated school board members, it was a puzzling turnabout, writes Andrew Mara. Florida's public schools have long depended on local health, public health directors for recommendations on everything from reducing encephalitis risks at football games to how to test students during tuberculosis outbreaks. But the director's new reticence aligned perfectly with DeSantis' stated goal of pressuring public, Florida public schools to offer in-person classes. And lacking clear guidance from local health directors, school board members in many counties said they felt compelled to reopen classrooms despite serious misgivings. In fact, keeping campuses closed, again, this is from this article in the Palm Beach Post today, keeping campuses closed, they said, risked violating an edict last month from State Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran, a DeSantis and Trump toady, which decreed public schools must open, quote, brick and mortar schools at least five days per week, end quote. School board member in Lake County, Mark Dodd, he says, when we voted to reopen schools, I'll be honest and tell you, it was because we were under an executive order to do so. Do I think they're safe? Absolutely not. Are the bullies going to win? Or is the coronavirus going to kick their ass? I mean, so far you got 170,000 dead Americans. It doesn't seem to have touched Trump. This is the Tom Hartman Program. At least with the Republican Party, which still more than 90% supports him. Where does this go? Angela in New York City. Hey, Angela, what's on your mind today? From my perspective, and I've been thinking this for years since he came into office, everything's going according to how Trump wanted it to go. He did a, an, an interview back in 2014 where he said, you know, riots in the streets and, you know, collapsing the economy. And if we let that happen, then we can go back to when things were great. These things are happening. I mean, he's kneecapping the American people the same way he's kneecapping the post office. And he's rendering it impossible for people to just survive. They're not doing anything about unemployment. They're not doing anything. The Republicans have literally walked away. My concern, it's not concern, my fears are that we are sleepwalking into a coup here because I can see Trump not only stealing the election, but just declaring himself the winner. And on the Democratic side, on our side, on on the people's side, there is no organization to fight this. People are struggling with virus. They're struggling with finances. They're struggling with, with so many different issues. People feel helpless. And there's no organization. And Trump is just going according to what he said six years ago, not just him, the entire right wing. I mean, this is something that's been boiling for 40 years. They want a state 
They want things to go back to the way they were before FDR, before the New Deal, when things were just rich, poor, where there's no safety for people who are working. This is what they want to accomplish. Look at them trying to force kids back into school. I don't understand how people aren't more alarmed. I know that people are frightened and they're dealing with a lot, and I do speak to people who are alarmed, but I don't see any organized opposition to Trump, and I'm very worried about that because I think it's going to be absolute chaos. This election yeah. is going to be... I, I, I share your concerns, Angela. I absolutely share your concerns. I've been watching for three and a half years Donald Trump sabotage America. Whether he's doing it because he wants to be a tin pot dictator or he's doing it because somebody's giving him a lot of money, or both. Uh, yeah, I think both are probable. Angela, to thank Tom you. Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Well, it's now moved from Trump administration gratuitously trying to make it harder, for example, to get on Social Security. You know, when Trump came in, he announced that they would give early retirement to 15,000 employees of the Social Security Administration to 20,000 employees of the Internal Revenue Service, basically making our public services. You know, the IRS is no longer auditing very rich people because it's so expensive and time consuming. They're just auditing working people who might have claimed like a home office deduction or a uh, earned income tax credit. The Social Security Department, now it takes more than two years to process a disability claim. So people who are disabled through no fault of their own get no money for at least two years and in all probability have to hire a lawyer to get there, which is, you know, an upfront expense that a lot of people can't afford. So this kind of, what would you call it, passive aggressive behavior where they're not really sticking you in the face with a stick. They're instead just like putting up barriers to your walking forward. So every time you try and move a little forward, you trip and fall. Well, it's getting even worse. Now they want to punish unemployed people in the United States by restricting their access to food. Food. You know, you can live for six or seven minutes without air, depending on who you are and where you are, maybe three or four minutes before you pass out. You can live for a couple of days without water, you know, before your kidneys fail and your whole body starts to, to, starts to crash. And you can probably go a few weeks or even a few months, depending on how much body fat you have without food. But these are essentially essential to life. We're not talking about, you know, whether you can go shopping at Walmart with or without a mask. We're talking about whether you can stay alive. Feeding America, which is a nonprofit that runs food banks, they reported record levels of food insecurity, projecting 54 million Americans, including one in four children. Keep in mind, over 40 million Americans have applied for unemployment benefits since Trump let the first wave of coronavirus into the United States back in January. 54 million Americans, including one in four American children, would not have enough to eat throughout the duration of this crisis. Now, that projection was back in May. Here we are today. Now the Trump administration is saying no to expanding SNAP. Now, just to explain how this plays out, Back in March, in fact, March 18th, 
when Republicans and Democrats alike thought that the coronavirus was basically a threat to human life, to American lives. This is before Republicans figured out, that was April 7th, that it's more of a threat to black and Hispanic lives and to elderly lives than it is to white, middle age or younger lives. Back before then, we're back in March, when everybody was in agreement, America has to do something. A law was passed, it was called the Families First Act. It came out of the House, it passed the Senate, Trump signed it into law. And what it did is it gave states the flexibility to change their SNAP requirements. SNAP is food stamps, right? It's the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, also, you know, what we've historically referred to as food stamps. And they no longer call it food stamps because it used to be little coupons, you know, but now it's digital card, by and large. And prior to March 18th, it was fairly hard to get food stamps. You had to jump through a whole bunch of hoops and you had to demonstrate, you know, how long you'd been out of work and you had to prove that you were worthy of it, essentially. I mean, Republicans have really, really, really tightened food stamp requirements, particularly during the Bush administration. But on March 18th, they loosened that up to say, well, you know, if you've been unemployed for a week, you can apply for food stamps. In other words, if you just got, if you just lost your job, because we're assuming if you just lost a job in as a waiter in a restaurant, for example, you're probably going to be unemployed for a few months. So sure, we'll get you some food. If you just lost a job in, you know, in an industry that is basically going to go away or be badly harmed for months, maybe years, You know, if you're working in a hotel, if you're working in a restaurant, if you're working in a theater, we're going to make sure that you don't starve. I mean, how much more basic does it get, right? We're going to make sure you don't starve. And so from March 18th until this week, it was really easy for people who had been unemployed as a result of this virus and the Trump administration's failure to stop this virus from coming into the United States and spreading through our population and infecting 5 million of us and killing 170,000 of us. You know, starting on March 18th, it was a lot easier for you to get food because of that failure of the Republican Party. But now the Trump administration has said no. This is the Department of Agriculture. That's Sonny Perdue's agency. I tweeted about this yesterday, and I I included his Twitter handle. You can find it over my Twitter timeline. He's telling states to return to, quote, normal operations and put limits on food assistance. We don't need to feed those people who are unemployed. Let them start banging down their neighbor's doors and stealing food. That'll make a nice photo op for the Trump campaign. Right? If people are hungry enough, maybe they'll start to riot. Maybe they'll start smashing the windows at the local 7-Eleven or the food store. That'll help the campaign. That'll give us a good law and order soundbite. So let's just cut the food to one in four American children and their parents who are getting desperate. How do you think this is going to play out? Janine in Smithfield, North Carolina. Hey, Janine, what's on your mind today? Listen, do you know any study in how the so-called administration with Trump is affecting uh, mental illness in America? 
Yeah, what we know, Janine, is that psychologists and psychiatrists are reporting, you know, anxiety levels are up, broadly speaking. We also see violence, specifically homicide, is up. Some kinds of crime are down, but those two things are tied into mental illness. And I don't mean this as a joke. Trump makes me crazy. And, I, you know, I, I keep catching myself getting angry and getting angry at the world, right? Getting angry at whoever's around me. And I, I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, and what I know is that, frankly, it's fear that our mm -hmm. country is no longer going to be our country in six months, that Donald Trump mm -hmm. will stay in office after January 20th and will follow the Belarus model, right? As we speak, people in Belarus are in the streets protesting Lukashenko, you know, who just got 80% of the vote because he rigged the election. I'm just very concerned that the same thing is going to happen in America. And I, I keep having to do personal mental health exercises, you know, meditate and, and, and be conscious yes. of where I am so that I can be mindful and go out and take walks and spend time in nature and stuff yeah, like that. that. Yeah, that's what I do because I don't want to see this country to go through the same experience my country had. I love this country too much to give my back what, to. What was your country, Janine? Brazil. Ah, uh -huh. yeah. And there's Bolsonaro uh, doing the same thing down there. Yeah, and, and he's really, yeah. I love this country. I, I don't want to America to have the same experience that uh, we had over there. It's very sad. I'm engaged yeah. with uh, spread the vote, so I'm begging for people to actually go and vote, because yeah. that's the only yeah. only thing we can do. And thank you, thank for all you do. Thank, Tom. thank you, Janine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and if a lot of our ballots don't get counted because they get challenged, if there's voter suppression going on, these are not ifs. Actually, this, this is going to happen. A lot of mail-in ballots are not going to get counted because they're going to get challenged by Republican poll watchers. A lot of in-person ballots are going to be stopped. Same thing, same reason, which means that we've just got to do brute force in this election. We've got to show up in absolutely overwhelming numbers. Dave in New York City. Hey, Dave, what's up? Russ in Hickory Hills, Illinois. Hey, Russ, what's up? You know, I always hear you talk about a two-party system. Well, when I woke up Wednesday, the Republican Party primary... 13 Republicans ran and won under the Q banner. And if it's anything like what this girl in Georgia said, Tom, they're yeah, off Green. the rocker. Huh? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, don't, I can't remember her first name, but her last name is Green. And she's she's going off on Muslims. She's going off on blacks right. and Hispanics. She's uh, and, and, yeah, she's, uh, you know, a how are you going to keep a two party system when she's going to win? Because it's heavily, oh, I mean, I know. They, they wrote her in, like... I know, and she's going to become Kevin McCarthy's problem in the House of Representatives. And, and you know, there's an interesting story, and I think it's on Huffington Post today, about how some of the Republicans are pretty upset with Kevin McCarthy. You know, the guy who famously said, ah, those Benghazi hearings, they're going to they're gonna hurt Hillary to the point that we can win the election. And, uh, you know, yeah, probably they did. Uh, although I thought she comported herself there's, fairly well. There's 12 of them, Tom. There's four in California. Yeah. They get a foothold yeah. in this party. That's the, these are the new Tea Party nutcases. They're going to make Marsha Blackburn look like she is normal. Because let's be honest, yeah. Mitch's ain't yeah. coming back to what? The 9th would be the earliest of September. Yeah. 
He's been yeah, unless they, unless you know, unless there's some kind of breakthrough. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Russ. Joseph in uh, Bloomfield, New Jersey. Hey, Joseph, what's up? First of all, fantastic show. Listen, I just kind of wanted to reiterate what a last, the last couple of callers had mentioned about in terms of their concern about Trump not leaving office. Well, I work with a lot of these Trump supporters. The fear about what they are capable of is 100% founded. They are heavily armed, completely undereducated, completely living in, like you talk about all the time, that Fox News echo chamber. They are literally not even aware of the points of view that conflict with their own propaganda, so to speak, that they've been assaulted by for the last, you know, 20 so years. It's a terrifying reality because they are almost beyond reaching, you know, and um, I, I don't actually have any solutions. But all I want to say is that I don't know how the tensions can be reduced at this point because they have they have basically been moved beyond the point of reason. Yeah, it would require Fox News and some of these other right wingers to back up a little bit, but I don't think it's going to happen. Joseph, thank you. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, Tom Harbin here. 
My new book is out, The Hidden History of Monopolies, How Big Business Destroyed the American Dream. American monopolies dominate, control, and consume most of the energy of our entire economic system. They function the same as cancer does in a body. And like cancer, they weaken our systems while threatening to crash the entire body economic. American monopolies have also seized massive political power and use it to maintain their obscene profits and CEO salaries while crushing small competitors. In the foreword by Ralph Nader, he says, quote, This is the most important dynamic book on the cancers of monopoly by giant corporations written in our generation, end quote. It's the fourth in my Hidden History series, available where all fine books are sold. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Democracy starts with you. Tag, you're it. Nancy in Woodland, California. Hey, Nancy, what's on your mind? On June 3rd, after Lafayette Square, the U.S. came from the U.S. Army Department of Public Affairs. Secretary of the Army McCarthy, General McConville, and Sergeant Major Grinston issued a statement reaffirming that uh, well, they talked about racial issues, and then they just reaffirmed the fact that every soldier and Department of the Army civilian swears an oath to support and defend the Constitution, and they go on to say that they protect the people to peaceably assemble for redress of grievances, and it says they continue to support and defend those rights, whether it's from overseas, from COVID-19 at home, or from violence in our communities that threatens to drown out their voices. So it might be something that folks would want to um, check out. It's not that long a statement, but it's very powerful. Have they been fired yet? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I Trump has been talking about firing out. Millie because Millie, after Millie apologized for showing up right. at uh, Tahrir Square, a.k.a. Lafayette Square, a.k.a. now Black Lives Matter Square, when he showed up in, in fatigues, he has now publicly apologized for that. And Trump was very upset about that. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah, know, I haven't I, looked he still that has... He still has four months, you know, five months to get rid of these guys and replace them with toadies, you know, like he's done with the Fed, like he's done with the post office, like he's done with the, the Interior Department, like he's done with the EPA, like he's done with the USDA. I mean, I could go through the list, right? It's nasty, evil stuff that's going on. I just, you know, it's amazing. Nancy, thank you. Uh, spot on. Terry in Eugene, Oregon. Hey, Terry, what's up? Hey, thanks, Tom, for taking my call. question to you is, since Donald Trump has been systematically destroying the government, I see Biden as a one-term president. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Do you think his time is going to be spent going back through everything Trump has done to fix everything? And if so, is that going to take away from his presidency or potential legacy? One more question. Well, I certainly hope so. And, and, you know, I I don't think it'll take four years. I think it'll probably take a year. But, uh, you know, I certainly hope so that he can clean up this mess that Trump has has created and put the government back together. But the fact of the matter is that there are, you know, over 100 federal agencies now that Trump has basically closed. uh, that just, you know, are going to have to be restarted from scratch. Most of them regulatory agencies. I mean, it's just breathtaking when you go through the list. So there's a lot of work that needs to be undone. I do, I do agree that it's extremely likely, it's highly likely, I think, that Joe Biden is going to be a one-term president, and, you know, which, is, yes. which is what leads us to the right-wing headlines. There's a newsletter I get that's the top headlines from the far right for the rest of us. Uh, and National Review, their headline, Kamala lies repeatedly in first speech as Biden's running mate. Infowars headline, Kamala laughed about murdering Trump. 
The Federalist, Why Kamala's Stealth Radicalism is Worse Than Bernie's Open Radicalism. American Thinker, The Real Kamala Harris. Um, uh, Communities Digital News, Kamala is a Jamaican chameleon entering the race for 2024. Ann Coulter, Why Are All the Antifa Girls Fatties? Oh my God. He's got this entire right-wing infrastructure, most of it funded by right-wing foundations and billionaires that are just like spreading these lies. Yeah, could he just do everything with one executive order or does it not work? No, he couldn't. He couldn't. It's going to take this is this is uh, this has been sliced up into a million pieces with a with a with a very sharp knife. It's going to take a, a similar instrument to put it back together. Barbara in Chicago Heights. I just remind you about Timothy Snyder's book on resistant tyranny. Yes. He on gave, tyranny he is the title us, of the book. Yes. He gives us 20 lessons. And then one of his number one, when he was on Rachel Maddow's show, his number one, we have to resist. We have to get out yes. into the street. We have to protest. We have to resist. So if he doesn't, he starts something. I know people are ready, and I'm with him. We are ready to take to the streets if we have to, to get that idiot out of the White House. Oh, I, I agree. And, and I absolutely believe that that will happen. The question is, will it be successful or will it be crushed like it was in Belarus, like it was in Egypt, like it was in Hungary, like it was in Poland, like it was in Turkey, like it was, uh, you know, in, in the Philippines, like it was in Brazil. This is the playbook that Donald Trump is using. And, and uh, but Barbara, thank you. Thank you for your fighting words. I mean, it, this is the strength that we need. Pauline in Los Angeles. Hey, Pauline, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's on your mind today? Because of what's happening with the post office, I think that blue states, especially blue states with big economies like California, New York, Washington, Illinois, need to start to collaborate on maybe forming some type of an election observance operation and maybe even invite international countries like Canada or the EU to observe, especially in the battleground states, in the anticipation that we may have like a failed or chaos, even a violent election process, because obviously Trump is willing to go there. And who knows what will happen, because his people, his supporters, you know, they're kind of, um, they feel unleashed and they're going to do what they're going to do. So um, especially if we saw things like what happened in Michigan with, you know, them showing up at the court at the uh, Capitol with guns and stuff. Obviously, people are going to be intimidated. And if we don't have mail service, obviously, I think it would be fair to call the elections failed, a failed election. People need to start thinking about what to do and how to call that and consider that a valid valid call. And then after that point, what would happen? Well, before you before you move on, Pauline, the Democratic Party has already hired, I don't know the number, but my understanding is hundreds at least of lawyers and enlisted thousands of volunteers around the country who are going to be doing what you said. They're going to be election, you know, monitoring elections. Of course, the Republican Party has done the same thing and they're going to be challenging every single vote. Exactly. But I think that uh, every polling place in the country at the very least, should have a drop box out front so that people can take a mail-in ballot and drop it off without having to run it through the post office. But what if, what if they don't get their mail-in ballot, though? Because obviously right now they're putting it into action. He's fired all these people. They're slowing down the mail. People aren't even getting their medication. So yeah. we don't really know how this is going to got. We've got, what, how many more days? Like three months or something? So, you know, well, but, I think you know, it, it's going to start in a month work. or so. 
Right. So that's why they're starting now. So we don't, we really don't. I think we need to anticipate the worst, is my opinion. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe that'll be enough. But my point is from that about the collaboration, especially with uh, lar- big blue state economies, is that the idea of to start to form like maybe a state bank and where in which you would have an account that acquires the federal income tax, the citizens' federal income tax. And instead of people just sending off a check to uh, the U.S. Treasury, they write a check out to this account that's, uh, let's say, the Bank of California for the purpose of, you know, the U.S. Treasury income, you know. No, I I get where you're going. Forgive the interruption, but we've just got 15 seconds. That's probably already going to happen. Employers, you know, Trump can order the Treasury to stop collecting Social Security payments, you know, FICA taxes, but employers can continue to pay them. And I'm guessing, because this is going to be fully due at the end of the year, that most employers are simply going to ignore this and continue continue deducting FICA taxes and but continue we depositing to, we, we need to send them to the state, though, not the U.S., because he's just going to withhold the state's funds. So we need to send them to the state. Mm-hmm. And then the- I don't know that the states have the legal authority to take federal money and use it. I love the way you're thinking, Pauline. I, I just don't think that's going to be the silver bullet. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you, Ronald, in Land Lakes, Florida. Hey, Ronald, what's up? I was just thinking about some things you said earlier, which, you know, the Trump administration is looking for every conceivable way that they can to bankrupt this country and then eliminate Social Security, Medicare, and uh, Medicaid. Now, you know, a right. lot of and, us, and, the, and the Republican Party, by the way, let's be very clear about this, has been on this crusade since 1935 when Social Security was passed and since 1960, whatever, whatever it was, I think it was 67, that Medicare was passed and Medicaid. And they continue to. I mean, they, they're, they're quite upfront about it, although their methods are typically a little underhanded. Back to you, Ronald. Three different ways that you can accomplish this. Stop paying out Social Security Medicare and all that. And uh, I, I see it. I've seen it. I, I grew up in Washington, D.C., and I watched a lot of things. And I've read most of your books, so I know you're on top of it. I can't figure out why more politicians aren't doing more to cut it off before he can get anything going. I think that what he's trying to do is not going to work. Uh, you know, I mean, he can't suspend well, the payroll, the FICA tax. He can't. He can't suspend it. He can only order the Treasury Department not to not to aggressively collect the money. He can't stop employers from sending the the money in. I'm guessing the vast majority of employers will completely ignore Trump's suggestion. It's purely a suggestion, right? As an employer, I can tell you. I mean, I, you know, we've got two full time employees and a couple of part time employees. We will continue to deduct FICA taxes and send them to the Treasury Department. And the Treasury Department will continue to accept them. They just won't enforce. In other words, for a company that is failing to pay, they won't go after that company. So, you know, employers are going to continue to pay, put this money in there because they know that this isn't, you know, a, an actual tax holiday. This is just a, a, uh, a postponement of the, of the need to pay the tax. So, uh, you know, 
I don't think this is going to work, Ronald. I absolutely get what you're saying, and I totally agree with you. They're going to do absolutely everything they can to destroy Medicare and Social Security because they hate those programs, because they are driven by you know the libertarian billionaires who don't want to pay taxes that will support you know average working people. But I get that. Austin in Evanston, Illinois. Hey, Austin, what's on your mind? Hey, how are you doing? Um, you know, I'm, I've just been so concerned with everything going on. I think that the American people deserve better than to have a person like this who seems to value more of an oligarchy structure rather than a democracy and caring about, you know, their people. Amen, and hopefully we'll get one in November. Absolutely. What do you think about these executive orders that this president has been putting through? We've seen this president, you know, increase military action, and I thought it was Iraq or where it was. He's been increasing this. Right, and then he cut back He cut back the forces in Syria to abandon the Kurds so that uh, Erdogan, Erdogan threatened his hotel in Turkey. Kurds are being slaughtered as we speak. There's famine going on in, in uh, southwestern Syria, and not to mention Yemen. A lot of this hasn't actually been executive orders. I mean, he's the commander-in-chief, so he can move troops around and do whatever he wants all around the world. He's doing that. The same thing with, you know, moving our troops out of Germany and into okay. Poland, because Poland's prime minister, Duda, just stole another election, and he's a, he's a right-winger following in the, in the path of uh, Viktor yep. Orban. So in terms of what he is doing with the coronavirus, with executive order, is he actually, because I think you said he wasn't, but he's not. Yeah, he's using, increasingly, when you read these articles about this in the press, you will see that they're referring to them as executive actions rather than executive orders. An executive order is a legal term for a document that the president drafts that, you know, orders something to happen that is within the purview of his powers. I'm pretty sure that he used an executive order, for example, to order the Defense Department to give money to the contractors to build the wall on the southern border. That's being litigated right now in the courts. It'll get to the Supreme Court after the election. Uh, he'll probably lose that, but it'll be after the election. This was John Yu's strategy that he went to the White House two weeks ago and shared with J- Donald Trump. He said, you can do any old damn thing you want. He said, you know, Obama created DACA with an executive order. It didn't require Congress. You can create things with executive orders, even if they're not legal, even if they're not constitutional. It'll take a year for it to get litigated and struck down. And in the meantime, you get the credit from that. You get the benefit. You get the praise. You get the love. You get the reelected. His supporters will believe him that he's somehow helping him. Exactly, which is exactly what's happening right now. I mean, I'm getting fundraising emails from him saying, you know, I got you the Social Security cut, payroll cut. I got you the the $400 a week. I got you the student loan and eviction deferrals. And none of it is true. Zero of it is true. Yet he's raising money off it right now as if it were true. And a lot of people, you know, who won't, who aren't in danger of eviction, they won't know that it's not true. They're not drawing unemployment checks. They're on Social Security or they've got some income, they're not going to know that it's not true. I mean, it's mind-boggling. This is Abraham Lincoln's, you know, you can fool some of the people all of the time. And Trump is going after the some of the people, S-O-M-E, not S-U-M. And that's what he calls his base. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Amazing, amazing stuff. Merrill in Penguich, Utah. Trump isn't smart enough to think of this stuff himself, but with Putin coaching him and the head of the KGB, he learned all of these tricks and he's passing them on to Trump. And the only thing Trump needed was a attorney general that would go along with him. And that's all we've got. And so now we know what Trump and Putin have been talking about all these times when they're on the phone together. Well, and I think that if you, if you look at 
basically autocrats on the way up from, you know, severe murderous autocrats like Mohammed bin Salman, the, the crown prince of, of Saudi Arabia, to uh, on the rise apartheid era autocrats like Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, you see that uh, in all probability, they're all advising Trump. I mean, you know, he's hanging out with all these guys and, and it's become like a club around the world of right wing leaders who either have big money themselves, you know, MBS, or have access to big money because of their right wing leanings, Netanyahu, for example, to a much, much smaller extent, Boris Johnson. You've got, you know, right wing movements uh, rising in Europe. You've got Viktor Orban in Hungary. You've got Duda in Poland. Modi in India has basically come out as a religious fascist. You know, I think that there are a lot of models that Donald Trump is following. I, I have no doubt that, you know, in some of his conversations with President Putin, that he's he's getting some good tips also. And and the whole thing is just, you know, very, very troubling, Merrill. It's very troubling. Thank you for the call. Rachel in Minneapolis. Hey, Rachel, what's on your mind today? I really appreciate the parallels that you've drawn between fascist dictators in the past and some of the tactics that Trump is using currently. And uh, as you said, his buddies were helping him to get ahead. I'm wondering if we can learn from that, from, from past history, how to fight this to, before it gets to the point of the other fascist dictators. Specifically, I'm wondering what we can do to keep the post office alive if we can. That's going to require an act of Congress. It's way too late for the courts. And this is why I think Trump is springing a lot of this stuff right now, is that he knows that, you know, moving anything through the courts, all you have to do is just appeal and appeal and appeal until it hits the Supreme Court. And that's a process that typically takes at least six months and, and, and more frequently a couple of years. So basically, you know, the Democrats' options with regard to the courts, you know, like, for example, saying that they're going to sue around the executive orders. Uh, well, actually, it was one executive order and three memorandums is just not happening. It's just not happening. Uh, and it's not going to happen. So, you know, I think it's going to take you know, a lot of people in the streets and, and, you know, peacefully, please, and a lot of people voting to clean this thing up. I just, you know, I just don't see where it's, where it's going to go any, anywhere else, Rachel. It's, it's just... It's very, very troubling. Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? I think it was about four or five weeks ago that I told you that Russia would somehow miraculously be the first to have a vaccine. And my next prediction yeah, is did. that Donald Trump is going is to buy it from him. Well, I was thinking yeah, this morning, uh, it, it occurred to me that probably what he'll do is uh, say, you know, it's time to allow Americans to buy drugs from overseas. Suddenly, there's going to be a very large Internet market for Russian vaccines that you can self-administer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knows? And actually, I'm surprised, and he probably will come up with this, but I'm surprised that for the campaign season, he hasn't come up with a uh, kind of an injection that they could call the, the COVID or the Corona-19 shield. You line up, and before you go in the venue, they give you an injection that's, you know, 99.99% saline. And he'd also say it's got a, like a half a microliter of, uh, or, or micromilliliter of, uh, hydroxychloroquine in it, so you can say that has, has that in it too, and then you will be protected right. while you're in the uh, rally, and uh, you may you may actually have protection beyond that too. I'm surprised you wouldn't surprise me actually. Me. If, it wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that with zinc tablets or or, or vitamin sure. D tablets, even, although it takes you know months or weeks anyway to to build your levels up to where they should be to to you know to help your immune system. But God only knows. Is that what you call about, right, Paul? I want to take issue with you, something you said, Tom, um, in a friendly mm -hmm. way. 
Uh, are we? Are we? Uh, is our democracy no more secure from despotism? But then to make sure that we vote for a nice guy. That's my no, question. And no, what I mean, obviously, the, you know, if, if Joe Biden is elected, we have a massive project to undertake. We've got to fix the Patriot Act. We've got to fix executive power. We've got to make it so that a president can be prosecuted or at least investigated and prosecuted during his uh, or her term in office. Crimes that they commit. I mean, we've got to get money out of politics. We've got to reverse these Supreme Court decisions. I mean, if we don't do this stuff in the next four years, if, if Democrats take the White House and Congress and don't accomplish these things, then when Tom Cotton becomes president in 2024, all bets are off. Right, because when you said, how far has Donald Trump taken us down this road? That's where I disagree. You see, we've already been down this road, and Donald Trump is the first one to say, hey, look, we're here. And Yeah, I can use this stuff. Remind- the stuff that, that George uh, W. Bush and Dick Cheney gave us. Yeah, he's the first well, one to say, yes, I can use these, these precedents. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's been there, and, and it's kind of like, I don't know, you know, the, they always talk about the frog in the slowly boiling water, but mm-hmm. it kind of, it, it kind of, and the more when you say going down this road, it kind of reminds me of one time when you know when we were little kids on vacation, and we were in the car and kept saying, you know, what, Dad, when are we going to be there? When are we going to be there? Well, finally, one time, my dad he pulled off the road, he pulled off the freeway on, in, I think it was like into a rest stop. He said, "Well, here we are, we're here," and we said. What? This is it? He said, yeah. <laughs> and we said, well, where, where's, the, where's the lake? Where's the cottage? He goes, oh, you wanted a lake and a cottage? Oh, well, it's going to take me some time to find one of those. So he says, well, let's go. He says, but don't bug me. It's going to take me a little time. So I shut up. And then finally my brother said, well, how long is it going to take you to find a lake and a cottage? And my dad said, well, we can go back to the other place if you want. You see, this is what Donald Trump has pulled on us. Yeah, it's the old switcheroo. Yeah, I, I am with you, and uh, you know, frankly, it's very, it's very distressing. Paul, thanks for the call. Mario in Berwyn, Illinois. Hey, Mario, what's on your mind today? I just want to emphasize to people out there to speak about the situation that we are. Since these imposters in the White House, I use our flag upside down, and I try to talk to veterans and people, and, and they are so, so much ignorant about the situation that that we are. We have to talk about the situation that we are. We cannot stay quiet. We have to, every single minute, to talk about the situation, what this person has been doing. And so many ignorant people, they are out there, try to make emphasis of this person. And most of them, they are Anglo-Republicans of this country. We cannot stay quiet. We have to talk. We have to talk and talk. Yeah, I agree. And even when it's uncomfortable and, and uh, you know, even when people are treating you poorly, we need to continue these conversations. It's particularly important to, to notice what's going on. I mean, the number of foreign trolls that I'm seeing in my Twitter feed is just mind boggling. You know, we all need to be vigilant about that. Michael in Seattle watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Michael, what's up? The plot against the post office and the Republicans in game is clear. So it I think it might be time to focus on getting millions of folks to the polls or ballot drop boxes in critical states. And a way to do that would be enrolling the young Black Lives Matter, March for Our Lives, climate activists, just to name a few young people involved in accompanying and being present 
and uh, observing and protecting the vote by the millions, if necessary. And I believe that those young groups could be enrolled to do that. I think that it's time to stop focusing on what we know is going to happen with the post office. I'd love your thoughts. I think to a large extent you're right, Michael. And were I in the leadership of the Sunrise Movement or one of the local Black Lives Matter groups, I would be arguing in favor of shifting to a focus. And and by the way, you look at the civil rights movement back in the 1950s and 1960s, and you see this constant movement back and forth and back and forth, although they were doing both at the same time. But between public demonstration on the one hand and, you know, a, a more low profile, quiet grassroots organizing people to get them registered to vote. So I would I would put voter registration at the top of the list for any of those groups. I think, you know, I think that's a a good and important suggestion. Michael, thank you for that. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Bill in Sun City, Arizona. Hey, Bill, what's up? Bikers for Trump are a bunch of old guys. They ride gold wings, and they tip over just as easy. 
My little mm. brother was at a Black Lives Matter rally in a pleasant Hudson Valley town in New York. And the bikers for Trump showed up. And this one bad actor kept charging the crowd and, and shouting stupidities. Mm-hmm. A woman from the ACLU positioned herself between him and the crowd. My brother witnessed mm-hmm. him pushing his way by this woman, and he just couldn't take it. He's skilled in three arts of, of martial arts. He thought, what's the least offensive thing he could do? He ran at this man from 50 feet hit him with a shoulder and a shove and knocked him 50 feet. Ten minutes later, when his friends picked him up, got him to stand up on his own, the bikers for Trump left the rally. You know, threat. Yeah. Stop being afraid of him. Yeah. Yeah, the best way to deal with a bully is to punch him in the face. I mean, that, that's... Well, uh, he didn't punch but, him in the face. My brother my brother could have taken no, him out to different ways. He was holding juggling pins in his other hand at the time. He had to stop juggling to do what he was doing, to do what he did. But like I say, they're not a threat. They don't even paint them as a threat. And what's left of Trump supporters, they're no threat either. They're too stupid to organize. Thanks for what you do, Tom. Thank you, Bill. I I hope and pray that you're right. John in Queens, New York. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I wanted to get to this issue of what if Trump loses and doesn't leave. Mm -hmm. I think that ultimately, historically, it'll come down to which way the military goes. I think this is going to come down to which way the Joint Chiefs of Staff decide, you know, are they going to support a renegade Mm -hmm. president if he decides not to leave, or are they going to support the republic and the constitution? And I wouldn't want to be in their position having to make this decision right now, but I think that's the way it would break out. I wouldn't worry about the militias or the, uh, you know, Customs and Border Patrol. I think that whichever way the military comes in, which you know, whichever way the 82nd Airborne and 101st come in, that's what would decide the issue. If they support him, I think the cause is lost. That's certainly how it played out in Egypt. That's how it played out in Turkey. That's how it's played out in in numerous countries where an autocrat, a strongman government has seized power as they've turned the military to their will and used the military to seize or sustain their power. And there is no doubt in my mind, John, that uh, Trump right now is actively, aggressively trying to turn the military to his side. And and whether he's going to succeed or not, he's got four or five months to pull this thing off. And and, uh, I'm very concerned. John, thank you. I I agree with your analysis. Mike in uh, Winnicani, Wisconsin. Hey, Mike, what's up? Um, Yeah, I was uh, concerned with uh, everybody freaking out like their pants are on fire, like these bikers are going to come down and stand behind Trump and fight for him. They're all broke. I guarantee none of them have money to go to Washington. So nobody's going nowhere unless, you know, they miraculously come up with a bunch of money. But I think that's yeah. like, you know, a bunch of fooey. You know what happened in uh, Douglas County, uh, Georgia? In Douglas County last Saturday, 20 Black Lives Matters protesters were holding a rally, a totally peaceful rally with signs and stuff. 20 people, at the most 30 people at, at its peak. And hundreds of armed right-wingers showed up. Apparently, this had been announced on Facebook. They were heavily armed. They were dressed in military fatigues. They were carrying assault rifles, bats, handguns, and shotguns, while the Douglas County Sheriff's Office just stood there and watched. One guy came up to us and said, this is one of the Black Lives Matter protesters, and said, this is a white town. We don't want your kind here. Another one person came up and said, why do you, and he used an expletive for black people, lives matter. 
Two teenage protesters were attempting to get in their car and leave the scene. Their vehicle was surrounded by these white Nazis who screamed, we will effing kill you, get out of the car, and other threats. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's like people, people were beaten. People, you know, these guys are showing up and they're, you know, they are trying, they're not just trying to start violence. They are actually starting violence. You know, I look at Portland here and I think that uh, probably some of what's going on here has been, uh, you know, agent provocateurs. So, Mike, I'm not quite as unconcerned as you are. I'm far more sanguine about this. I think that these uh, so-called citizens militias represent a genuine threat to the stability and peace of this country and to our constitutional order. Ron in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Hey, Ron, what's up? Tom, hi. You know, I share your concern about the armed militias and Boogaloo boys who have uh, engaged in attacks on federal uh, agents during the Black Lives Matter, at least in California, other places. But there's no way to tell this, Tom, but the uh, Russian infiltration of our uh, political, and I say probably also that like militia groups, goes back to 1928 when uh, the Soviet Union consolidated their power. They sent the equivalent of like two or three million dollars to uh, organize sharecroppers in the South because they were being lynched in record numbers. But really their, their main goal was to foment discontent and turmoil because that was also the time of the 1919 Red Scare. But the Boogaloo yeah. boys, you know, they've already engaged in, in military actions. And the federal government, they have prosecuted some of them, but they don't even talk about them. Right, and they've killed several people. Not specifically that group, but that genre of people have killed more people in America than Muslim extremists, period, full stop. Ron, thank you for the call. It, it is a legitimate concern, and the FBI is all over this, but you know, who You're knows on, in to Trump's Tom FBI. Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Joe Biden has a new ad. Sean, do we have the audio on that yet? Let me just play the, uh, this is just the audio, this is a 30-second TV ad, and, and the visual of this is Donald Trump playing golf. He's playing golf throughout this thing. Here's the soundtrack for Joe Biden's newest ad. Donald Trump stepped off the golf course and signed an executive action directing funding cuts for Social Security. He also proposed slashing hundreds of billions of dollars from the Social Security Trust Fund every year, putting your hard-earned benefits in jeopardy. Nearly four million Florida seniors rely on Social Security. And once again, Donald Trump's failed leadership is hitting seniors the hardest. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. There you go. I mean, you know, they're 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 finally starting to uh, they're stopping the the Mr. Nice Guy routine and moving in a direction that I think is you know quite consequential. Bill in St. Helens, Oregon. Bill, you, you got the last minute and a half. What's up? Yeah, hi Tom. You know, there, there's nothing more sacred in this country than the vote because it's literally the only way we can hold our elected officials accountable. And one party, as you mentioned a few moments ago, one party has actively suppressed the vote for over two decades now. Now I follow Greg Palat. Four decades. 2000. It was so overt. It was it was undeniable. Yep. It, 2000 was a wholesale theft of of the presidency by by the Republicans. But that's not my point. My point is. I hear people giving lip service to us. I've written my representatives. I said, why aren't you doing anything? This is a crime against representative democracy. There's no greater crime going on in this country right now than this absolute, you know, this absolute attempt to overthrow the will of the people uh, on, at, in every single election. And that's essentially what they're doing. And yet CBS, ABC, NBC, uh, MSNBC, 
lip service. I hear people talking about it in passing, and then we put someone like Brian Kemp in a governorship after clearly stealing an election. The man should be in prison, not in the governor's office. I, I don't understand what's going on in this country, Tom, that we can't talk about the crimes going on against our elections. I, I'm, I'm mind-boggled. I'm speechless. Yeah, I am too, Bill. I am too. And I think that the Democrats need to be screaming a lot, lot louder. You know, and of course, every time they do, the Republicans come out and say, oh, they just want illegal immigrants to vote or some other BS like that. Bill, thank you for the call. It is outrageous. Thanks so much for being with us today. Remember, there is a lot you can do. And we've talked about a lot of it during this program. We can be active, even if we're housebound. You know, so get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Help make something happen. And try to lift somebody up today. You know, find somebody that you can just, like, make them smile, okay? Or yourself. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and others. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 